0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio
1: app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. On Money Talks, we discuss
2: money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast.
1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Levy Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's an all-pet day today on Creature Comforts. We prop the doors to the pet hospital wide open and welcome all your pet questions, from the big to the small. Do you have a cat or dog at home? Maybe both. What about questions about getting an exotic pet like a rabbit, snake, or ferret? Don't hesitate this morning to join our conversation by phone or email. Also, if you've had any wildlife experiences that you'd like to share, go ahead and give us a call. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Let's uh, start with Libby, as we usually do. Libby, are you still reporting from the Pacific Northwest?
2: Good morning. Yes, I am.
1: What are you seeing out there?
2: Uh, yesterday, we had a great experience, uh, a little different than usual. We uh, took the boat offshore, and they're in kind of the central coast of Oregon, uh, just off the shore. We, we went out it from Newport Bay. We, uh, it was our intent to look for whales and to put out our crab traps. And as we were going out, we saw uh, bottlenose dolphins, which are kind of rare for us to see out there. We don't see them as often as we see um, larger cetaceans. So we were excited to see the uh, bottlenose dolphins, and we saw a lot of um, great seabirds. And uh, then pretty soon, we were about a half mile offshore and we're putting out some of our crab traps. And uh, we saw the whales blowing, which was exciting and uh so we—that's um, what we had looked forward to, and we expected. But we had—we um, were just sitting still, putting out our traps, and uh, three groups, small groups of whales. it Looked like maybe just two in each group. So what we think were um, mother gray whales, and you know, they're half-grown young. And uh, they were probably traveling together because they were close, but, you know, not as close. It was like these pairs of three of them, and they came all around our boat and looked at us and rolled up, you know. So we got great looks and flapped their tails and just really uh, the closest I've ever seen them when we were alone like that. So it was just Paul and Emily and I. Unfortunately, the little boys were both doing other things that day, so they weren't with us. And I didn't get to see it, but it was it was very exciting and went on for a while. We saw wells blowing, and at a distance for the whole two hours we were out there and um, saw these six up very close. They were, you know, within 20 feet of the boat, for sure, is kind of what Paul estimated. I'm not that good at it, but um, really good. I've I've got a long video, but I got excited and let it go, you know, Mm -hmm. so I've got like three and a half minutes of video that is too long for me to send to anybody (laughs) right now, so I've got to learn how to edit that and deal with it. But um, anyway, it was lots of fun, very exciting.
1: Yeah, that's that's uh, that's nature up close and personal for sure. <clears throat> it is an all pet day on Creature Comforts, and we have an early pet question. So let's invite Kevin, who's called in from New Albany. Good morning, Kevin. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
3: Hey, hey man, I've got a English Bulldog. She's a white version of the English Bulldog. She's starting to get the side flank alopecia. How they kind of lose their hair on the on their flank. Uh, what what is what can I do other than melatonin to give to her? Because she already sleeps all the time, so
4: um, I would think melatonin would make her sleep more. Probably. That's a great question, and it does occur in certain certain breeds. Uh, boxers, for example, are very, it's very common there. Usually it's seasonal. I'm sure you've researched some. Is it affecting both sides?
3: Uh, No, it's just one side, actually. Just one side.
4: Uh, And experience has been seasonal and usually will go away after, even though she's probably inside, what, 90% of the time. uh, It still seems to be a seasonal uh, type thing. The melatonin uh, may help. I don't know, but it may make her drowsy. You said she sleeps a lot anyway. But how old is the dog? She's eleven. Okay. Okay.
3: And normally, I I think those guys don't normally make it to eleven.
4: Well, that's remarkable. She sounds like she's in pretty good shape. Um, The other thing would be certainly to have your vet look at that if you haven't already, um, just to make sure there's nothing uh, uh, that you know can be applied or can be done to it. Does it appear to be very itchy? Does she scratch it? It doesn't.
3: It doesn't, it doesn't bother, bother
4: at all. Right,
3: right. It started the the early mm-hmm. summer. Since out by the pool, mm-hmm. the only thing I have to do I have to spray sunscreen on it, or it gets burned.
4: Yeah, right, I understand. My guess is that it'll start to go away as, as seasons uh, go back, and days get shorter. But uh, maybe you can report back to us sometime late fall and tell us how it is. But that's been been our experience. It does seem to uh, dissipate as we get more into the closer to winter. I got you. All right, guys. Good
1: luck with that. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin, for your call. Let me, one other thing. I know in the past couple of weeks we've talked about the the weather up in the Pacific Northwest, and you had said it had gotten hot there as well. But uh, what is the weather like now? Has it cooled off? Are you getting some cool nights, for example?
2: it has cooled off the humidity has increased but it's also cooled off a lot it's only gonna um yesterday we were pretty cool we're bundled up on that boat you know like a base layer of wool and then um rain suit over it with um with a real good life jacket but uh today it's i don't think it's going to get above 73 and it's partly cloudy but then you know, I always look at the 10 days out, and it's mostly getting in up to about 80, 82 each day. Um, you know, but some some sunny days and some cloudy days. And the, it's, it's cooling off at 9 a lot, so that helps. It gets down to 48. I think last night it was 48. Uh,
1: and you mentioned uh, crab traps. If you would tell us about uh, um, how that works.
2: Okay, we were putting out... Um, it's it's gotten to be pretty much a weekly event for us now. We we're putting out dun, dungeness crab traps, and it's a, a crab that's very much like our blue crabs, but larger. I guess they're maybe oh gosh, we can only harvest those that are right at six inches, males only. And um, I haven't crabs for it's been so long since I've crabbed on the coast. I'm not familiar with the regulations there but the blue crab is probably half to a third as large as these um dungeness crabs and they're they're you know they're fun to catch and very fun to eat so that's gotten to be a, a weekly routine of ours to go over and put out traps at least once a week and uh, paul's done a little bit of fishing for salmon but um mostly it's just recreational boating just looking for the whales and the birds, so that
1: kind of stuff. You know, it's it's been a long time since I've had a Gilgan's Gilligan, Island reference, but there was one episode where the the castaways thought the island was sinking, and so there were a, a number of attempts to build boats, or whatever they could do to survive. Well, none of them worked, uh, but then it turned out at the end that the professor had a stick that he was measuring the level of the, uh, uh, you know, the water to the island. (laughs) And Gilligan had been using the stick for his crab traps and then pushing it out further and further into the lagoon. So actually, the island was not sinking. It was something that Gilligan had done that uh, got the castaways concerned. So...
2: I didn't remember that they were eating crab on Gilligan's Island, but evidently so, huh?
1: Well, and that might not be accurate in terms of where they were supposed to be, but I think they took some artistic license every now and then. Well, I don't
2: know. They were off the coast of California, right?
1: Well, they were, you know, it was a three-hour tour out, so somewhere in the South Pacific, I believe. They were started in Hawaii, and then, you know, the, uh, the, the storm took them to an uncharted island, although, again, if you... Oh, okay. If you are a Gilligan's Island fan, it's amazing how m- so many things came through the lagoon or actually landed on the island for being an uncharted island. But again, hey, it's only TV. It was all in fun. <laughs>
2: they must have had, uh, several years to develop those storylines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Today, we're taking your pet questions and talking about any encounters with nature you've had recently. Dr. Major, we do have a couple of emails here. This first one... Uh, says, how do you suggest converting a six-month-old shih tzu from paper training to using the bathroom outside? She unfortunately is home alone during the day in a gated area with a puppy pad. Until recently, she'd use the puppy pad, move it from the original location, and tear up the pad, leaving a pool of urine, etc., in the original location. We feed her in the morning and in the afternoon, leaving a bowl of water for her during the day. I take her out early in the morning when I go to pick up the newspaper and when I get home in the evenings. As a puppy, she seems to be more interested in playing or watching what's going on around her than using the bathroom. Also, should we be feeding our six-month puppy twice a day or converting her to once a day?
4: Okay, great questions. Uh, we'll answer the last one first. I would say still continue to feed twice a day. Um, and if you want to convert a little bit later on, say at 8, 10, 12 months, you could go to once a day. Um uh, and, you know, that's, that's kind of a rule of thumb of mine, but uh, I think she's probably a little bit young to go in and go to once a day. As far as the house training, um, this gets to be a problem when you're gone during the day. You know, that thing of tearing up the uh, pad or whatever you want to call it, the, that, that's very typical of a puppy. They get bored and they will do it and just shred it a lot of times and move it. Uh, I suggest that you go online and look uh, at crate training, uh, C-R-E-T, using a hard-sided crate, a kennel big enough for her, uh, rather than let her have the run of the room that you've got her in right now. Uh, consistency is important, and it is difficult when you have uh, a puppy that you know, you're gone during the day. Uh, There may be some uh, listeners that have good ideas about what to do, but the crate training does work. And in most cases, a puppy six months old can wait that long before going out. It would be great to have somebody come and take the puppy out at lunch or noon rather than leaving it all day regardless of where it is.
1: So uh, with the crate training is the idea that you're giving the dog their own little space, and since it's their private area or whatever, they don't want to mess it up by going to the bathroom in it.
4: And that is usual. Not every dog will uh, honor that, but I would say that a large percentage will wait until they go outside. It's harder for them to hold their urine uh, than it is uh, defecation. But uh, there are some excellent articles online about crate training and I think it would be good to look at those and uh, utilize some of the ideas there Alright
1: Dr. Major here's another pet question for you this one says my cat is scared of going to the vet to the point that he just about goes feral he's an inside cat and is good at home anything I can do to help ease trips to the veterinarian
4: Well that's a great question and we see that uh, not every day but quite often Uh, Some cats just really uh, do not want to be removed from their home situation. And the trip to the vet, uh, a lot of times they will react and act almost feral, as the uh, person said. I would suggest uh, possibly using some Gapapentin for a couple of days prior to bringing the cat in see if that will help. It does help in a lot of cases. You can break the capsule open and put it on the food. Uh, but it does help in some, some cases. There are other cats that um, really don't respond to that. I uh, would hate to have to tranquilize them. We have a few cats that we actually use gas anesthesia uh, to be able to treat them properly, and that sounds like it's pretty over the top, but it saves the cat from getting so upset but also from technicians, myself, from getting scratched or bitten. So there are cats that really cannot be handled, so you have to take all that into consideration. I would try the penton though, because that may help.
1: But obviously this is something that they would want to work out with their vet company because you just can't not go to the vet if you have a cat like that.
4: <laughs> right, and some, sometimes it's a surprise for everybody, We've seen cats that you would know, think at home would be fine. And you get in the exam room, and we always close the doors we've got a cat because we don't know exactly what might happen. And, uh, you know, I've gotten very reluctant in my older age, let's put it, to stick my hand in and try to pull a cat out of the carrier (laughs) Um, that doesn't want to go. But you can usually assess, and the owner usually can know if the cat's going to be okay. But I'd say that 90-plus percent of all cats are very... uh, what shall I say, sociable, and can it be handled easily. There are some cats, though, that um, regardless of what you do, are going to not cooperate, or at least they're going to display feral-type tendencies, even though they may be an inside cat.
1: And one more follow-up, and then we've got a caller on the line. With my cat, it seemed like at first he was awfully nervous, but it was almost like he got used to going. Is that a case probably where... Once the cat's been a couple of times, if he sees that he's been there and nothing bad has happened, that not, that might help him relax?
4: In some cases, that's true. Otherwise, uh, some cats never change on that. I've got a few cats that I've known for years, and you just have to be careful. Uh, that's the basic baseline. And uh, some cats can inflict some pretty pretty severe wounds if you're not careful.
1: Yes, those those are sharp claws and sharp teeth to go along with it, that's for sure. And, so,
4: and, and a cat, think about this, uh, uh, as an athlete, if you will, cats are very athletic and they can move quickly and they can, you've seen pictures or I've seen your cat slap maybe three or four times when you would do just once, so they're, they're quick and uh, I would say that defensively, they can let you know where you stand. <laughs>
1: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all-pet day, so we're looking for your pet questions. Next on the line, we've got Clarence calling in from Mobile. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
3: Yes, good morning. Um, I have a small dog that we think is twelve, thirteen 13 years old. We just found the dog roaming the streets. Anyway, uh, I've taken her to the vet numerous times and spent about fifteen hundred dollars and just refused to spend any more money on it. And what has happened I originally took it to the vet because uh she had a cough and um uh, the vet ended up pulling out a bunch of teeth and you name it, giving her all of her shots and everything I guess. Right. But um uh, I brought her back several times. The same with a cough and um uh, he gives me these little pills, these little yellow pills, which I think are placebos. <laughs> and, uh, what else does he give me? That's about it. And says okay. to give him two or three or four times a day, which I can't do because I work. Uh, but she's still got this cough and it's <laughs> really just a bad hacking cough. And so I, he, the last time I called him, I said I'm not going to bring the cat in clean the dog in anymore. I just can't uh, rationalize it. But um, he he seems to think that she's got a collapsed trachea, um, but he hasn't taken any X-rays. I've refused to pay for X-rays. Uh, okay, Clarence. I'm My question is, I'm sorry, few. I'm
4: doing okay. Okay, go ahead. Um, uh, What is
3: the best thing to give her uh, to help with the cough?
4: Okay, we've got to understand that based on what you're telling me, I don't know what's causing the cough. Uh, Is she heartworm-free? Yes, she is. Okay. And what kind of dog is she? How big? Uh, A 20-pound 20 pounds, okay. You know, the things that concern me, I'll um, be quick with this. Number one, it could be some kind of heart issue. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the vet said anything about that, but certainly uh, congestive heart failure, one of the other types of things that affect the heart, could cause a cough. Um, and collapsing trachea is an issue, and it's very which shall i say hard to diagnose even with x-rays because the dog doesn't do it all the time. You know, it may cough a lot. I suspect what what the pills that he gave you probably were called cough tabs, yellow tablets, and yes. they have more of an expectorant-type action rather than suppressing the cough. Uh, if you were going to try things at home, I would suggest antihistamine like Benadryl. You may have tried that already. Um, yeah,
3: I'm giving that to her every
4: day. And does it help, you think?
3: I, I think it helps. She's she's very active and happy. She's very right, happy, right. but she's coughing every, you know, every less than every five minutes.
4: Right. There's got to be a, an underlying cause, and classic trachea may be it. However, if she's playing, running, doing all kinds of stuff, you know, I would I would doubt that she truly has a collapsing trachea, and that's me telling you that on the phone. I uh, and, and, yes, uh, x-rays might tell you something, and I will tell you this, and sometimes x-rays don't, but it might be wise if you can justify afford it uh, to try to have x-rays done and see exactly what's going on with that heart and with the trachea. It's difficult for me to tell you any more than that. Um, the fact that she's heartworm-free is good. And uh, I would say that uh, I'm not able to help you much more over the phone without seeing her. So good I luck agree. with you with her. And it uh, sounds like if she's 12, 13 years old, she's done pretty well, except for the cough. And, uh,
3: yeah. Can, I I ask you one Can I ask you one last question? If it gets so if it gets so bad that I have to put her down. Uh, I think the vet wanted two hundred dollars to do that. I just asked out of you know, if things got worse. Um uh, Right. Is there a humane way to do that?
4: Well, from humane, your home? But Really not. Uh and I, I would say that What your vet would do in most cases would be to sedate your little dog where it would kind of go to sleep and then give it something where it wouldn't wake up, trying to be as painless as possible. But as far as something you could do at home, I I can't recommend anything, okay? Good luck to you, Clarence, and I know it's a problem. Hopefully something will help you.
1: You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. It's an all-pet day today, so we're looking for your pet questions. You can always send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We have, uh, uh, go ahead, Dr. Major.
4: Yes, a chronic cough is always a difficult thing to handle. There can be a lot of underlying causes. I sympathize with Clarence that this has been going on, I guess, ever since he got the dog, but it's, it's not a simple thing always to treat. And I I've had the experiences myself with certain dogs that, you know, simply don't respond to what you would consider your typical medication. So there may be some underlying causes that haven't been shown yet with this dog and I understand his reluctance to spend any more money. So I just wanted to mention that a chronic cough can be a very discouraging issue.
1: Well, and I must also say that um, much like physicians, I think veterinarians do not feel like offended or whatever if, if Clarence were to try to find another vet to see if there might be, a, you know, a, a different path for, for helping the dog with the cough.
4: Exactly. And uh, that's certainly a good point.
1: All right. Uh, we have a full bank of phone lines lit up here or full phone calls, that is. So let's start with uh, James, who's called in today. Good morning, James. You're on the air with us. So go ahead.
3: First of all, my name is Willie, it's not James.
4: Uh let
3: me ask you, are you the doctor?
4: Go ahead. I am, yes. It's Dr. Major.
3: What kind of doc what kind of doctor are you?
4: What kind of doctor am I? A doctor of veterinary yes. medicine.
3: Pr- doctor of veterinary medicine? That's correct. Well, why would you want to put a cat on uh uh what that what you just what you just said, uh a opinion. Why would you wanna put a cat on a
4: that's a hallucinating drug. <laughs> well, gabapentin has a lot of different effects. Some people can take it and be perfectly fine. Others, it causes some issues. But it has a calming effect, and it's been shown to have a calming effect in cats. Uh, I would not give it to a cat all the time. But a lot of times prior to a trip uh, to the vet, uh, one or two doses of gabapentin in the food, can't help calm the cat. That is the only reason that I'm giving it to a cat.
1: All right. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Let's uh, move on. Staying on the phone lines. Next, we're going to go to Bude. Lewis has called in today. Good morning, Lewis. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
4: Good morning. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. What do you have for us today?
3: I, uh, I picked up a dog. It's a stray dog. I saw him walking in a neighborhood. I hadn't been seen. It's a hound. It's about, uh, I'm, I'm going to say about one to a half and two years old. Uh, it's real friendly. I've been having about about three weeks now. I'm wondering what kind of shots, uh, what kind of, you
4: know, should, should I get for him? I, I have no idea of his uh, history. Right. Great questions. Uh, here's the thing that I would do. The dog, how old is the dog? I guess that's the question. I, I'm I'm saying
3: he's probably Roughly. between one half and two.
4: So he's a grown, grown dog. Yes. You need to get shots. Basically, would involve distemper, parvo. Uh, there's a shot that's given for that. Uh, a rabies shot. Um, I would consult with your veterinarian about that. And the dog really needs to be checked for heartworms to see if it might have heartworms, and also check for intestinal worms. A good general exam would be important, and I would say that those shots uh, would be what the dog needs. Okay. Oh, okay, thank you.
1: All right, Lewis, thanks for your call. Stay on the phone lines. Gulfport is our next destination. Eugene has called in today. Go ahead, Eugene, you're on the air with us.
0: Yeah. Yes, sir, thanks for taking my call. Say, we had um, two cats in the house. Um, unfortunately, the older cat passed away. The younger cat kept marking in the bedroom my wife's uh, 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 bed, I guess, the... the Cover around the bed, Marking, um, and then I noticed that after the old cat died, there was no in the kitty litter box. She wasn't peeing anywhere. There was no pee balls, if you will. Right. How can I? How can I get the uh, younger cat to start using the kitty litter when
4: she wheezes? Great. So she's still going in the bed, your bedroom, or elsewhere rather than the litter box
0: we're, we're keeping her out of the bedroom with the door closed um, right. and to this day it's been about a two weeks i'm not sure where she's going but it's, okay. it's not the kitty litter box she okay. goes out every morning for 15 minutes or so and then comes back i I, so just, she, I truly have no idea
4: she may be urinating some outside i would really try to find out where she's going inside though uh I would put another litter box, uh, if you can find that place, put another litter box close to it. The other alternative would be to put her in a uh, small area, I guess even a bathroom or a small area that you could put a litter box in and see if she will use it if she's confined. Uh, That would be important, but uh, had she been urinating in the box when the older cat was alive?
0: I I, I truly I, I don't know whether she, she did or not the older cat um, would uh, urinate significantly I mean great big small. Yes.
4: Um, right I would confine this cat to a small area with the litter box uh-huh. and also do some detective work which uh, in my case my wife's since the smell would be a whole lot better than mine, and see if you can find those areas where she may be going.
0: And then put the kitty litter box here, there?
4: Yes. Uh, and, of course, the old rule of thumb has always been one litter box for cat plus one. So I would say that definitely another litter box if you can find an area where she's been uh, urinating. Okay? Okay. All right, we'll give that a go. Thank you much. You take care. Thank you. Bye.
1: Thanks, Eugene, for your phone call. <clears throat> so, Doctor Major, is it once a cat does like if you say the confined in the small room and the cat started to use the litter box? Once they sort of have reestablished that habit, do they pretty much kind of tend to stay with it?
4: Right. It's kind of a retraining method, and uh, I would say that in most cases that works. Not in every case, and there are some cats that are going to be very difficult. It sounds like his cat may be going outside. Hmm. and urinating since it goes out a certain time but then again you would expect it to urinate more than once during the day so i bet there's an area where this cat is found and um, i would put a litter box close to that after maybe some retraining okay
1: all right we've got another caller on the line and so off to moss point we go tim has called in today good morning tim go ahead
4: yeah
3: thank you for taking my call. Uh, I have an English bulldog, a registered uh, English bulldog puppy. Uh, He's six months old, and in doing my research on him, uh, AKC says that an adult male should weigh 50 pounds and an adult female 40 pounds. He's a a female, uh, I'm sorry, a male that's six months old, and he already weighs 40 pounds. So I'm wondering, uh, uh, should I cut back on his feed? Uh, Is that an appropriate weight for uh, for a bulldog that's six six months old? And just what what are the thoughts you might have, Doctor?
4: Yeah, those are some good questions. Uh, You know, there's a range of weights, and certainly I see some bulldogs that weigh in the 60-pound, 65-pound range. I'm talking about registered English bulldogs now. I would say the males usually are 10, 12 pounds heavier than the females. At this age, though, I would not cut back on the food. Um, He's going to grow to his whatever that weight is. You might talk to the breeder if you know the breeder. And see what uh, their males weigh or male weighs just to get an idea. But I would not be alarmed if this dog weighed, say, 60, 65 pounds if he was in good shape.
3: Okay. Okay, Well, that's what I need to know. Thank you, thank you, much, doctor.
4: Take care. Thank you.
1: Bye bye. Thanks, Tim. Got a couple more pet emails for you, Dr. Major. This next one says. Uh, I have two male dogs, a miniature Dachshund, and a German Shepherd Doberman mix. Would it create a problem between the dogs as far as getting along and things like that if we had the Dachshund neutered and not the German Shepherd?
4: Huh. Well, you know, there's a great controversy about neutering and not neutering. I guess the question was, are they getting along now, or is this something that new as far as putting the dogs together? I guess, it, was that clear in the email?
1: Uh, not necessarily, but the, I think the way it's written, it 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 does not sound like they are having any current issues. Right.
4: I would see no problem with neutering both of them as far as that goes, but certainly uh, neutering one should not make any any, any issue uh, with that if they're getting along at this point. All right. So, it, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I'm understanding the question exactly, but, yes, you could go on and neuter uh either either or or both
1: and and I would say, from what I'm hearing you say you you would lean towards having them both neutered
4: right, but there is some controversy uh has to do with basically changing dogs' disposition uh making some some issues maybe with uh cancer so these are all things that could be discussed with your veterinarian uh prior to doing that.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, before our next break, remind us, if you would, of, of when spaying or neutering with a male and female pets, kind of what the procedure is, and is it something that's like a one-day thing, then they can go home that night? Give us some, some details on, on that.
4: You know, that can vary. Uh, at our clinic, we're usually pretty busy uh, with surgery and appointments, and I would say that my preference is to keep them overnight after surgery, whether it's a neuter or a spay. With a spay or ovarian hysterectomy, the uh, ovaries are removed along with the uterus. And the deal with that, certainly removing the ovaries in a female. Obviously, the female's have the only one that's ovaries. But removing the ovaries uh, prevents them from coming into season and coming into heat again. And uh, it would be pretty bothersome for one that had been spayed, if you, if you will, if you lift the ovaries, over probably be coming in season. Um, males, uh, you remove the testicle from the uh, scrotum, and uh, it's pretty straightforward uh, and should not be an issue as far as the surgery is concerned. Uh, some of the dogs may have some swelling post-surgery. Uh, I am talking about males, but generally it's, it's pretty much okay. But I would suggest keeping them
1: overnight uh, rather than sending them all the same day. All right. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. It's an all pet day, so let's get right back into things. We'll go to Meridian next. Patrick has called in today with his question. Go ahead, Patrick. You're on the air with us.
3: Hey, how you guys
1: doing? Good. What do you have for us today?
3: Yeah, I have a, uh, about a 10-year-old Yorkie named Buddy. Um, a male, and he has been having these, like, spells lately where his gait will get different. He acts really scared. Um, we thought they were seizures at first, but we're now we're thinking they're maybe more like muscle spasms or something. Do you have any thoughts on that?
4: So he's having trouble walking. Is that what you said? Yeah he, uh, yeah he has trouble yeah he has he has trouble walking
3: whenever he has these little spells, and it's like he's terrified when they happen and
4: um it don't last very long, maybe a few minutes you know this does in fact sound like maybe a mini seizure uh, it, it's uh hard to say especially if he's showing signs of fright. We're scared. Something, something's happening. Now what does he cry in pain when he has this out? Yeah, he kind of whines in pain,
3: and his, uh, you can kind of notice on his back. His back muscles get really tight
4: along his spine and stuff. And this may be musculoskeletal, uh, whether it would be a spinal problem or some of the small dogs that do have some hip problems, even though it's not as common as in the uh, larger breeds. So, had you vet checked him out yet?
3: Yeah, we did take him. Uh, we got uh, this uh, benign, like, tumor thing removed from under his chin. Um,
4: aside from that, he hasn't said anything about the spell. Right. It might be wise. If these continue or get worse, I would suggest maybe radiographs of his back and hips just to be sure there's nothing... Uh, wrong there, and the other thing would be uh, talk to your vet. You may want to try him on some, some pain medication for a few days. Just as, uh, How often does this happen? I guess I should have asked that. Maybe, m- maybe two to three times a month. Okay, okay. And this, in my opinion, sounds more like some sort of uh, Neurological type problem, based on what you're telling me, if it only occurs that that often, basically uh, thinking in terms of any skeletal or musculoskeletal problem, it would you know be more often than that. So uh, discuss that with your vet, and it it could get could get worse, and there may be medication that could help. So what kind of pain medication um, would you Prescribe for a dog that size or you know there is a medication uh, meloxicam uh, which is an liquid would be much easier in a yorkie to give it uh, but your vet would have to prescribe that for you okay right okay appreciate it well good well good luck i sure hope you can find something that helps okay thank you
1: thanks patrick thank you. for your call you. in the meantime dr e, uh, major here's another email And this is a very interesting question. We had two small dogs that lived together for more than 10 years. They played together and slept together. One of them died this week, so what should we expect from the other one? What do you look for? Will they miss each other? Does he remember her? Do dogs grieve?
4: Interest of that is yes, and it may be over an extended period of time. Uh, We see some dogs that certainly grieve when their human owner or passes away or someone in the family passes away but certainly they can grieve uh usually with uh with dogs grieving over a companion probably two to four months would be probably uh about what i would suspect and do things that would uh maybe uh get the dog out more play with it more these sort of things should help some
1: okay Yeah, so that's, I mean, just like you would a a human that's grieving, you would pay a little extra attention to them, make sure that things were going well for them. So as you're saying, just do a similar thing for the remaining dog to try to ease that uh, process as they deal with the loss of of their friend. All right, uh, I think we have time for this one more email. This one says, My mother-in-law has a Pomeranian. Lately she's been having loud, long-labored breathing while sleeping and abnormally loud panting after coming inside. Lasts about thirty minutes, even after getting water and laying down. Sometimes she also really struggles to get her breath by making loud, long, gasping-type sounds. As she's struggling, her movement suggests that she might be trying to get air from deep down in her body. Any suggestions?
4: This was a Pomeranian. Is yeah. Correct. Okay. There are several things that could be going on, and certainly this is a type of thing that would require seeing your veterinarian. I'm concerned about uh, one something going on in the lungs, heart. The other thing would be uh, a disease called Cushing's disease, uh, which uh, a lot of times dogs would be, would be a basically uh, cortisol-related. But a lot of times the dog will uh, pant more uh, based on that. And of course, the other thing is the dog showing signs of that, such as having a pot belly. Uh, that sort of thing.
1: You need to see the vet with that, really, just to, for checking it out. Okay. All right. Uh, so a c- c- couple of minutes left. You know, we've talked about the when it's so hot, and we you gave us some great suggestions for helping our pets uh, survive the, the the heat. We're all hoping that as fall rolls around, the, the temperatures will cool off some. Is there anything to think about when those cooler temperatures come around in terms of our pets?
4: Well, you know, here... But it's going to be a cool temperature, I guess. <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't know until it happens, but uh, certainly uh, the same thing applies during the summer. Uh, shelter, uh, of course, in the summertime, we've had such heat that a fan, you know, good shade. Uh, here in Mississippi, we're blessed with good shade trees and a lot of times for the outside dog. But inside or out, when it turns cold, need to be aware and any time the temperature gets down, you know, in the forties, this sort of thing, certainly you need to uh take precautions. Uh I don't know when we'll have that, but uh that's that's always but we, we handle cold weather pretty well here, uh except for those cold snaps like we had last what, last year when it got down below 10, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cold. And certainly glad that that didn't last long, but it certainly damaged a lot of trees and pets, too, that were out and couldn't get in. So, yes, we need to prepare for that, but uh, to stay on top of what the weather's going to do. It's going to be 98 today, they say, so, yes, we need to make sure our pets have plenty of water. The uh, ones outside and shade, and be very careful with the uh, brachycephalic or bulldog-type breeds. Uh, in this hot weather. It's still humid, too. So that's all things you have to think about.
1: And uh, let me just wrap up by saying <clears throat> we certainly appreciate uh, what you do for us every week uh, uh, during creature conference and especially during this all-pet day. But just a reminder to folks who are listening, you know, Dr. Major can give you his best uh, thoughts about what might be the problem with your pet. But, Dr. Major, I would think you would always say anyone who calls up, always follow up the call with a trip and a visit to their own vet and see if they can't work something out.
4: Right, and there's only so much we can do with the phone, Okay.
1: All right, that's going to wrap Thanks. us. Go ahead. Good. All right. Thank you, mm-hmm. That'll wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. Our show was produced and engineered today by Abram Nanny, and our call screener was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned because up next it's Auto Correct. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. Heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or
3: download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on.